A doon 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 da doon doon da doon doon doon. Um. Wow, that was awesome. The only thing I don't like about it is that I'm the only one doing the intro now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that that was your choice when when you decided to change. The, it wasn't. The it wasn't intro. my choice. You never even were like Connor. You can join in if you want. You didn't even. You never even said that. <laughs> I felt like it was implicit in the fact that you had been made co-guest host. Definitely was not implicit. I just think that uh, an offer would have been nice. Well, um, I mean, let's. This is the formal offer. All right. Well, we can we can start that next next episode. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, no hard feelings, though, right? I mean, let's just let's talk. Let's just talk about how I feel next episode after I've done it once. We'll see how I'm feeling then. Okay. <laughs> we'll 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 bring it up then. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that's fair. You know, neither of us can see the future, and even if we both could see the future, there'd still be some some problems. Nothing's easy from everyone knowing the future, is it? No. No. Nothing's easy. Nope. No. Nope. You know, it, you think it'd be easy to be like, oh, well, I know what the future is. But Not the case. No. Not and the especially case whatsoever. Get, get like three or four of those fuckers into a room together. Everything's fucked up. No one knows anything. No, you might as well they don't know up, not be able. You might as well not down. be able to see the future. They don't know right from left. They don't know. They don't, they don't know future from past, man. Nope. They don't know um their toes from their fingers it's it's uh there's a whole lot of i feel like wrong with that i feel like you should have stopped when i said the thing about time because that's kind of what we're talking about and then and then you decided to add on one more thing that <laughs> they don't know cows from ducks it was, like, it was really irrelevant and i feels like you weren't picking up on the fact that i was trying to do Chickens like an early segue i was trying to do an early segue <laughs> For your benefit, mind okay. you. Okay. I mean, well, we can't get into Dune Talk before we do our traditional chant. Hmm. You'll you'll have to refresh my memory there, good buddy. You know what I'm talking about. I don't I don't know, it's something like uh Caracas <laughs> Barsnassus. I'm gonna count down. <laughs> and then we're gonna... And then we're going to recite the chant three times. Okay. Thrice. Okay. And then we can get into uh, the brunt of the episode. <clears throat> All right. See, this is a this is a part. This is a segment of the show that I thought of that I am including you in, and have included you in since the beginning, since the inception of the of the segment. That's that's so. fair. In fact, in fact, it's kind of the opposite problem where instead of not being offered a choice, I do not have a choice. Like. Yeah, I mean, there's times when you've been you've expressed unhappiness about I, about I, this I part. Do, I do feel like an oracle, honestly, because it feels like I see the future, and if I don't do this chant with you, there's no podcast. Like you'll like you'll just stop. We there's there, like I, truly like you won't we have to you won't engage until I do this. There's nothing you know we can I mean? do. There's nothing we can do, but to, we have to do this to get past this point. It's you know, this is uh, now. But you, you said this. You claim this yourself. All you have to do is unclaim yeah, it. Yeah, it's called no. It's called a self fulfilling prophecy. 
Mm. I mean, you you certainly are the self-fulfilling it, my friend. Okay. All right. I'm going to count down, okay? Okay. Three, two, one. Arrakis. Charcassus. Stop it. If you want to get into the episode, you're going to have to take this seriously. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Arrakis. Arrakis. Dune. Tune. Desert Planet. Bezert Channel. Ah! No. No, 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 no. You know, the listeners at home don't think this is funny. They don't find it charming. They want to hear their they want to hear their chant. Yeah, the thing no, you were right up until the chant. No one no one finds this charming. No one is like laughing along with us. You and I let's stop it right now. Okay, this is this is this is it. Okay? Let's put it out of its misery. Nope. Let's let's start talking about why the people came here. The thing is let's Connor, talk about Dune. Is is you're the one that's making this painful. We could just get this over with. No, be totally no. fine. I I am the host, okay? I'm the co-host. I I am the fucking god emperor, all right? I'm the co-host, and you're, and you're the reverend mother no, uh, right now. And I now. can edit it. I can edit it so it sounds like you said it. So you might as well just say it. That'd be hilarious. I hope you do do that. I hope I hope it just cuts out into this completely obvious, super abrupt edit where you just take my audio from, from last fucking podcast or whatever and just frankenstein it together here for you to for you to make a point i would love for you to take real life effort and and to make that happen so please please follow through on that thread hey let's let's just start over let's just start over here okay (laughs) (laughs) let's just start over we're gonna start over from the chant and then we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it we're just gonna just full speed ahead okay yeah totally all right you're the one you you're the one who has a bedtime man okay three two one, Arrakis. Arrakis. Dune. Dune. Desert planet. Desert planet. Arrakis. Oh right, three times. Oh right, right, right. Okay, sorry. Let's do it again. Arrakis. But from the second time now. We have to do it three Is times this in from a row. The second time? Three times in a row, uninterrupted. Three, <laughs> two, one. Arrakis. Arrakis. Dune. Dune. Desert planet. Desert planet. Arrakis. Arrakis, Dune, Dune, Desert Planet, Desert Planet, Arrakis, Arrakis, Dune, Dune, Desert Planet, Desert Planet. There we go. See, doesn't that? It just feels right now. Now we both truly feel ready to move on with the show and to get into it. To get I into did what that. The listeners I really did that for hear. your benefit and for your sanity and for your peace of mind. Because because we don't want the first half an hour to be just that, and it was going to be. It was going so, to be. It was going to be. One of us had to uh, surrender. Well, I think what you mean is one one of us had to be the bigger man. One of us had to be the god emperor. I didn't surrender. One of us. I, had didn't, to be, I didn't surrender. One of us had to be the god emperor, and one of us had to be shout out mapes. I think. Uh... I think we should get started. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Connor, what are you drinking? Oh, right. Uh, a Yingling. A My yingling. third of the night. Nice. I'm drinking yep. a uh, Arctic Not Summer 
spiked ruby red grapefruit seltzer. My first and only of the night. Who uh, who makes that? Arctic Summer. Oh, oh, that was part of the name. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. I I haven't heard of them. So they're like um they're like the Costco version of like White Claws. No, no, no. This is this is not from Costco. Ready for this? Yeah. Mm, Whoa. That, that can opening. It can was cracking. It was crisp. That was a crisp can crack. <sighs> okay. On with the show. Connie, 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 crisp can, and I don't care. Take it away, uh, <laughs> all b- right, boss. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> sure thing there, mapes. Um. All right. So I feel like last time we were like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. We were like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, we were. We were like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think my thoughts are going to be a bit more general and open-ended here, but um, I, I feel like a lot of stuff crystallized in these five chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like a lot of stuff that I was kind of either not, not focusing on as much or not thinking was like so important. Um, kind of came to the forefront or like I don't know it just felt like there was like a long stretch of chapters where like things are happening like characters are talking and meeting and and doing things and Mm -hmm. plotting but it kind of felt uh you know similar to me from Dune I guess in that like uh you know obviously there's a lot of build-up but like in this case I didn't know what the build-up was leading to exactly yeah and so it felt a bit more like aimless instead of like oh this is like so carefully structured and like you know well the thing is in dune is they from the from the very beginning they tell you what is leading up to they they do but i I think it's more than that i think it's how they tell it too and that like um i guess i just kind of got the feeling that uh the beginning parts of the first Dune book were like, like an intricate mousetrap board or some shit, and that this was kind of just like, it it, it's not that it didn't have like pieces of where it was going, it's not even that like, I guess I didn't know or that it was confusing, but like it just didn't feel like it was built as delicately, maybe like, that it wasn't as, uh, I don't know, I just feel like it was so crafted well before. Maybe it maybe it's on me because I have to say I feel like the way that things are coming together, like specifically what I'm talking about here is when Paul talks to the Reverend Mother in his throne room. Yes, I feel like there were like five different times in that chapter where I went like, "Oh, oh shit, oh okay," like that's why these things are happening. Or like last time we were talking about how much. Like, the very last thing we learned about Paul was pretty much that he was, like, super Hitler, right? Yes. And we're like, oh, shit. That doesn't... I mean, like, it just feels like the way yeah. that it was laid out there was a lot to digest. And you're like, right, okay. But it kind of feels like the way that they explain the way that the characters are sensing foresight again to me kind of makes me rethink that initial assessment. And that's that's part of where my mind's at when I started gotcha. uh, started through this. 
Yeah, I um. Um. Yeah, and I I think you're right. Um. Maybe that just that it's it's not so much of a focus. Um. This time, as it was in the first book, because I don't know, just the story has more brevity. Obviously, it's just kind of a a more streamlined story, and so I feel like there um, there's really just not enough room for that kind of um, foreboding, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty good observation because there are a lot of pages dedicated to that uh, in Dune that that feels like it's just I mean we kind of described it as like stretching out a, that rubber band you know yeah and so it just it felt like it it couldn't go anymore and yeah it's maybe there's not as much it's definitely still, it's still present it's definitely still present um, yeah but just not as much or as utilized. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of appreciate having a kind of different story being told, I guess. A different kind of story. Because, I mean, this, this so far, this is it's it feels more like a uh, soap opera. Yeah. In a good way, I think. Uh, than, yeah. Than Dune, Dune did. Um, obviously, any any kind of story that has family members and you know betrayals and whatever all that kind of juicy drama that's gonna feel soap opera ish um but i feel like they're really playing it up here and kind of we're getting we're we're getting the payoff now of uh of all these relationships that were set up in the first book totally yeah um I think so too because it this section of chapters really made me think about the past of the characters too as they're like mm. all considering their their futures and like especially with Stilgar I feel like in the last section of five chapters we got a lot of Stilgar that was yeah. like him kind of you know rediscovering I guess like um how to make actions like a Fremen or to think like a mm. Fremen more like they feel that he's become like detached from that yep and um, in this chapter, it's such a small thing, but when I think it's when the Reverend Mother, wait, maybe it's when they're having their small meeting in the back of the throne room after, but someone says something to Stilgar and they're like, oh, I would have, I would have expected you to simply want to just kill this person. Yep. And he's like, uh, you know, don't don't confuse my my restraint with uh you know being i don't know being like influenced by the the court or whatever that's not what he says in like actual words but that's like kind of he's like you know yeah that he's acting like, out of diplomacy exactly like, it was like don't confuse like what i want to do with what i know i need to do or what i yeah do, yeah pretty much I thought that was a really cool way of showing how Stilgar's grown and do the kind of leader who just like how Paul had to learn how to be a Fremen, like Stilgar's yeah. learning how to be a member of the like Landsrad houses. Absolutely. Like I feel like that really cemented that for me. And I was like, Oh shit. Like 
I would never have expected that Stilgar's character would go to there, mm-hmm. like from the end of the f- from the end of the first Dune book. Like they kind of talk about Paul mentions wanting him to like kind of rule Arakeen, I think even or to to have like some big position in his government, and to see him like actually have to grapple with what that means and how that clashes with like his Fremen identity and. To the point where even the people who gave him that role are like, oh, dude, Stilgar, you gotta, like, stop, you know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, remember how to be who you were, like... And it kind of feels like he didn't lose sight of that, like, maybe the people around him did. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and I I can kind of see, um... I mean, there hasn't been too many examples of it, just, um... I mean, maybe... Maybe only one or, or two, but, um of uh Stilgar kind of being um kind of some somebody that grounds Paul more when Paul gets uh kind of out of control and kind of can pull him back to uh I mean being a Fremen as opposed to being, you know, um the Quiet Sadrach. Yeah. Yeah, um there was a lot of talk about Quiet Tatarak these chapters too, because the the Reverend Mother got a lot of good like inner monologues, a lot of good like yep. thoughts on her end. Um, I'm cool to jump into that, but I I'm just you curious. Picture all the Reverend Mothers um, bald now. Holy shit, dude! I'm so glad you said that. It's so weird because I felt like. Oh, I read the book before the movie. Like I, I have my image. Mm. I feel I'm struggling against this bald image in my yeah. head, and I don't know why, man. Same. Why is it so strong? Like it just—it's a strong image. It's just—it's—it's it's a very striking visual. Um, the thing that I don't like about it is the way that they made her look bald. She doesn't look as old as I think she's supposed to. Mm. I imagine she's like That's ancient in the book. Very, very true. You're right. Yeah, That's and it's kind true. of been like pissing me off but sorry what were you gonna say yeah no i mean for me it like flashes back and forth like yeah yeah i don't know uh which which version i prefer um yeah you know what's what's tough for me is that the i i think like with all the characters that i try to imagine like from the book which is kind of hard to like get a solid image but like, I like the ideas of the image of, like, how I pictured the Reverend Mother before. Mm-hmm. But I think because I actually saw this person in real life in a movie, the bald image is, like, so much more solidified. It's so easy for my mind to call back to. Yeah, yeah, it feels more Whenever real. I see, like, Reverend Mother and it's like, oh, like, boom, now I have, like, a, a fucking pathway in my brain that leads directly to the movie yeah. instead of what I thought before. Because it's, like quicker and easier maybe i don't yeah, know no that makes sense that makes sense um it's weird i wonder mm. i mean this is like one of the things it's, it's like i wonder if um i think they've i think they've mentioned in the book the gray hair though so like but it's yeah it's it's did. like one of the things where we're like i wonder if like later in the book or in the next book they're gonna say yeah all the reverend mothers were actually bald this entire time <laughs> and we're like damn that's where that's where david lynch got it from yeah right every Every strange out there David Lynch decision that you're like, oh my god, David Lynch is such a weird auteur filmmaker. It's like, oh no, it, Frank Herbert's just a weird yeah, motherfucker. Exactly. And he, he, he wrote that detail four books later. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 
let's uh let's get into it totally um i feel like this has been a bit more free form i'll be happy to go go through the chapters but i kind of got to talk a bit about some general thoughts i was i was feeling that i was left with mm-hmm. um do you have anything you want to mention before we like really get get into um, maybe a, a more orderly discussion if we do yeah i mean i i just did want to say that uh i i do kind of like um pretty much all these chapters feel like the same story and i mean you know a lot of the time in the first book and earlier in this book um we jump from scene to scene you know pretty or like location to location you know different times and and planets and parts of 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 uh arrakis but yeah, I kind of like that we true. get a few chapters just to kind of um, dealing with all of this intrigue and uh, yeah, and kind of just like life at Paul's or Maud Dibbs Manor. <laughs> yeah, um, which is a disservice. It's like a citadel. Yeah. yeah, it's it's um, you know, reading the Reverend Mother's description of it, it's it 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 kind of feels a little bit like Time Lord technology kind of feels like it's bigger on the inside you, you would you would am i wrong no no you're not yeah it's definitely it's kind of comical how how large it's described like you like some of the details when she describes how tall the door is like mm-hmm. 80 meters high or something and uh yeah there's just no frame of reference for such a door in like really you could think like oh i can think of like i don't know a a building that's that tall or something but like not a door you know and so it's it's a cool detail but it's almost so large that you just like read it and you pass over it you're like okay i can imagine like some weird concept art that would show that but it's you know i don't know what it would be like to look at that yeah you know yeah it's definitely not what i was Uh, imagining beforehand um it, it definitely it, it broadens the scope of uh of you know the headquarters in Arakeen. Yeah. And then they even use it as a way to taunt the Reverend Mother by by yeah. making her kind of go the slow route when I guess they had technology where they could have uh, <laughs> Right, transported her, yeah. she sees that. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. The one, I just want to say like you're totally right to point out the that that the chapters flowed into one another in a way that felt more natural i think did boost like this section of the book in a way that really felt like it was um you know that it was done with the setup it's like we don't need to go to any other planets or whatever because like all the characters are here now yeah like everyone is like starting to learn each other's motivations and like you know that it's it's all the work's been done and now you kind of just get to read it unfold and it was really exciting because it it felt like these first five chapters were the the beginning of that um like this powder keg about to go off you know um which was cool i love i'm gonna jump around a lot so sorry yeah i mean well that's that's the beauty of uh having kind of loosely defined chapters is that we we can just kind of jump around and hit the big bullet points whereas we don't have to say oh now we're in the desert now we're yeah 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 uh on Airland's planet. 
<laughs> whatever it's called yeah true that um okay because when Sightail's talking with Edric, which is another great conversation scene, um, Sightail's like, dude, like you don't understand the consequences of the game we're playing. Like, it's I really love um, these chapters involving like these great minds, kind of like sparring with each other, yeah. like Paul and the Reverend Mother. Not only are they just like intelligent and and super well trained in their own right, but like I love uh, the the intrigue that comes from them, like thinking about that maybe they've seen visions that the other person hasn't, or like that they can see farther or, yep. or different different parts of something, or or like these chapters also really kind of like reiterated and reminded me that um that these people no matter how strong they are also don't see like just one future mm-hmm. that it's an endless moving ocean in all directions. And that when, when these characters, when these oracles are having conversations too, that they're also kind of imagining like, well, have they seen all the possible futures that I have, you know, or that like, are they not considering this one possible future that I'm focusing more on? Like um, definitely one thing this, book has done is like expand on the time scene in a way that is super cool um but okay this is what i was trying to say really sightail and and edric when they're talking sightail says like oh you don't understand how far reaching this is and edric says something dismissive like oh yeah like i've seen religions or like i know how to deal with religions or whatever and sightail's like this isn't a fucking religion like this is like the universe it's beyond i don't know what he says yeah um and i guess i just i really like how that kind of put in perspective the different games that everyone's playing you have all these future seers paul just wants to like save his own life you know and chinese life and have a a good personal life while also not like killing everyone in the universe but like he's he's really focused on saving chani and like the reverend mother is really focused on preserving the bloodline, right? Yes. And the B'nai Gesserit mission. more importantly, being and, in control of the bloodline. And Edric seems like maybe more personal gain. It could be more than that. I, I'd have to think about it. But Sightail kind of reveals himself to be playing like... He seems like the ultimate chess master. He's been yes. just like kind of talking to people in the shadows. And he's like, I'm trying to stop like something bigger than maybe anyone else is considered, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, cool. he he, he seems to really understand the gravity of the situation. Um, yeah, in a way that other and it's it's kind of funny too that Edric is the is the guy who has prescience and these time powers because he seems the most blasé about everything. Yeah, you know, he seems very callous and kind of uh, cocky. Um, yes, he does. Whereas you, you know, you would think with all these powers, he'd be kind of the one who, um, who would kind of put more care into the plots he is uh, developing, but it's not the case. Yeah, I I think that he's too self assured in the futures that he's seen. Like yeah. I think that he feels like the futures that he has glimpsed are more certain to happen than the other ones that people Mm. are talking about. Or like, 
he's not looking far enough where he thinks it matters anymore. You know, yeah. he's like, well, I got me and mine, and you know, so what if a, a insane universe shattering religious consequence or more than that happens like 10,000 years from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I don't know if that's all he's weighing, but yeah. Um, you know, the, at first I thought, um, Edric was dumb though too, but he's not, no, uh, but I feel like whenever he's talked about, like everyone else thinks they're smarter than him. And so, because of like you're reading their inner thoughts, it f- it almost feels like the book is telling you like this guy's annoying, this guy's dumb, and he might be annoying, and like not not considering things the way other characters are. But I feel like this section also made me realize that Edric's not dumb. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing too. Yeah, he, but I don't think he he cares. To me, he just feels like a very self assured, savvy businessman. You know who is always looking out for himself and like all of the relationships he's fostered are just in service of, uh, of, of personal gain. Yeah. Um, and obviously there are revelations that could be, uh, seen that would change my mind, but I just, I, I just feel like he's, he's a very, um, self-serving individual, yeah. uh, so far, but he's an interesting character, not just because he's a fish man. <laughs> he's a fish man with, but, with but that very is part of it, personality. It? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's both. Um, Get you a fish man that can do both. <laughs> oh God, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. I really don't even know what to say to you. You're welcome. So I'll just I'll just say nothing. Um. All right, so. So here we go. I'm 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 gonna go through some chapter shit quick, but like spark note shit, so we can just talk about the meat and potatoes, all right? Okie dokie. Okay. So this first this first chapter we we read um just has to do with uh Aaliyah being with hate because mm-hmm. Paul ordered her to uh scope out the dead Fremen woman found in the desert who was the one that Sightail uh, kidnapped yes. in the, the burbs. So we see her eventual fate. Um, and I feel like, uh, I don't know. Um, things got pretty steamy it was a good chapter Spoiler like I, I, alert. they did they did they did they did there was uh, a kiss mm-hmm. hate kissed Aaliyah and hate says it was because he knew that Aaliyah wanted a kiss that he he did it for her he's like doing her a solid and Aaliyah so, confirms that she did want the kiss yeah yeah um yeah they they have a really good they have a really good back and forth where Leah's kind of uh trying to figure out uh you know if if his allegiance is true but you know she's also obviously grappling with her personal feelings and yeah that culminates in the the kiss um 
Yeah. I I just kind of um I like hate becomes a a, a more and more interesting character to me. And these these five chapters are yes. are uh, really good showcases of what he is. And um, I, I don't know. He, yep. he seems to have the the ability to really talk back to both Leah and Paul. And yes, um, kind of has a uh, a safeguard really, which is that with with Paul, I mean, he respects him, but also just reminds him of. Duncan Idaho, you know, Paul says he is Duncan Idaho. And so that yeah. kind of gives him a get out of jail free card and he can speak to, you know, Mwadib for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know, just like another, just like just another person, you know, kind of tell it to him straight. And uh, obviously with Aaliyah, he can do the same because he's Duncan Idaho and she has like, you know, B'nai Jezeret memory of, of who he was from her mother but also because yep. she's got a big dang crush on him. So, yeah. uh, I mean, he really has all of the advantage here. If, if he were to be, you know, truly a weapon out to get them, he, he has the advantage. Uh, yes. Clearly. But it's not clear that he actually is. It's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I like, he's a very likable character, I think. And yeah, you know, sympathetic, you know, because you know he'll uh, he he has all these kind of lost memories that kind of just bubble to the surface once in a while, and he, he can kind right. of feel them but doesn't know them. It's it's a uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a very very interesting um, character composition, I guess. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think also what saves him. Or what, what protects him in that way, too, from Paul and Aaliyah? What kind of allows him to say whatever it is he says? Is because he's also been made into a mentat. Yeah, and so, um, exactly. He's like, well, what else do you want me to say, like, besides true computations, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, anytime he kind of gets questioned, especially by Aaliyah... He's pretty much just like, well, I've just taken all the, you know, the, the, the data available to me and given you the most logical conclusion, whether or not you like it, you know. Yep. Um, you can't argue with that. He knows that. Uh, right. Like, I, he's very, like, smarmy about it. He's he smarms, he does if smarm. you will. He does. Smarm. <laughs> a, a good if bit. you will. Good bit of smarming. Um. <laughs> So like he he kind of knows he has that too, um, but yeah, it, it's definitely the all the things that he is right. Duncan Idaho and hate Gola Mentat Zensuni philosopher or whatever. Like they pretty much just like shoved everything in the fucking kitchen sink into this dude. Um. And it, it, it seems like his desire to, to have, like, a true self, that he believes that, like, Duncan Idaho could be his true self, um, is is kind of what gives you uh, almost a sense that he has, like, a moral compass, yep. you know? That even if he's been made or programmed or influenced to do evil things, that he might, like, override those desires for his own sake, his own knowledge as a person. 
Um, what's super interesting, also on this like same idea that I've been thinking more about Mentats, is that I remember at first when they were talking about Mentats in the first book, and I was like, oh, it's an android. Which, you know, as we all know, what I'm just going to say for everyone's benefit, is a... Uh, a machine that's been made into the likeness of a man, you know? And yeah, so a Mentat is like the fucking... It, it is an android, but it's made the opposite way. It's a yeah. man that's been turned into and programmed to behave as a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that's really obvious, but I have to say that until my mind, like broke it down for me into that very simple explanation that I told myself. I don't think that I was really thinking about their character that way. Like when I read hot, uh, I was never thinking like, I don't know what it means to be a mentat fully. Cause I considered him to be like, you know, my loyal Atreides bro, you know? Mm. And he is, but so much of what he says like passes through this filter of computation that I didn't think about totally. And it's kind of like talking to a mentat is like if, uh, you know, if your best friend was Google and you could ask them to Google search things that are like specific about you, like, Oh, you know, what, what do you think I'm going to do in a week? Like you could ask it that and it would actually tell you like, it's just another weird way of trying to see the future, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and th- then obviously it's, it's kind of become a necessity for them after they, uh, destroyed all that technology in yeah. the technology wars. Or Yo, <laughs> and that totally relates to Paul's meeting with the Reverend mother. Mm-hmm. His his plan. Let's let's kind of get to this because I feel like everything that we've read kind of like orbits around this too. Yeah. Um, Paul requests the Reverend Muller to to meet him in his chambers, right? Uh, his throne room, and the Reverend Muller is like, "Oh, is he going to kill me? This and that. What's going to happen?" And then she's like, "No, he needs something from me. What could he possibly need from me?" Paul says that he needs the Reverend Mother to save Chani's life uh, because Chani is with child. Oh my goodness. It has been for two days. Yeah. And yeah, the Reverend mother is gobsmacked. Yes. Even with all her amazing Benegas training, it says that she has like visible shock on her face. Yep. She, she inhales involuntarily that's a huge deal for a reverend mother. It is. It is. Yeah. To gasp. She gasped. She, she fucking gasped. gasped. She was Gasper, the friendly ghost. All right. That's not right. No, it's not. No, she, you know, she should usually, you know, usually she should be a, uh, some sort of non gasping entity. Yeah. And yet she gasped still. It almost was enough to make me gasp. I was gasping for air, I have to say. I didn't quite gasp, but emotionally I did gasp. Yeah, <laughs> you had an emotional gasp. An emotional gasp. Can you name this episode Emotional Gasp? 
Yeah, emotional gasp. It is. That's that's uh, I'm writing it down. Nice. Um <clears throat> There's a lot going on here too. The reason that what you were saying about the 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 Butlerian jihad that destroyed all of man's ancient thinking machines yes. is because uh Paul's offer what he says that the Reverend Mother would get in exchange for saving Chani's life, which again, her role in saving Chani's life is not entirely clear, but they have seen it. They or it seems to be believed. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Paul would give her her uh, his his semen? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. To to artificially inseminate Princess Irulan, his wife, or I guess she's queen. And to Irulan. use such an and to use such an artificially uh, an artificial insemination machine is like blasphemous yeah, to the Bene Gesserit. Sacrilege. That's a cool detail, man. I really liked reading that. I don't know. Yeah, I was yeah, like, no, I mean it, it it makes sense, I guess. It it's a uh, it it fits in with what we know about religion and um, yeah superstition or whatever um but it's not too taboo for them to outright refuse it no right it's not or like even that like it it's it is so taboo but the the need for paul's gene continuation is uh is so great that it yep. outweighs it yep and i mean the downsides are that this child could never make claim to the throne because the Bene Gesserit would be too ashamed to admit how they how that happened. And also, obviously, Paul would want his child with Chani to um, take that place. Um, so they yeah. kind of, yeah, he's, he's kind of got them between a rock and a hard place. Maybe. Yeah. Uh... He seems to think so, and I think the deal will go through. We don't know if it has. Mm-hmm. The Reverend Mother goes back to her home planet on Wallach 9, uh, which is such a stupidly named like classic sci-fi planet, like Gorbulon yeah, 7. Yeah, it's, like a, it's <laughs> like, like a Star Trek planet, I think. Yeah, right? I I love it. So she goes back to Wallach 9. <laughs> uh to deliberate, I guess, presumably with the other Bene Gesserit, Reverend Mothers, witches, whatever. Um, and so we don't know if it's gone through, but I, I think it will. I think it will. And um, I think it's definitely going to bite Paul in ways that he hasn't fully considered because the Reverend yeah. Mother... Um, talking about using it, talking about how um, it, okay, <clears throat> talking about, like, ideal mates for the characters and how she's really focused on Aaliyah. I know. Kind of made my and Paul knows my it, mind. too. It's like, it's it's such a weird thing, because both Paul and Aaliyah know it, but they're not saying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I hadn't fully thought of, or I haven't like thought about all the implications of this stuff. What I've really appreciated about these last five chapters of Dune is that it makes me go back and, and think about <clears throat> how well I realized Dune Messiah is expanding on the consequences from the first Dune book. Like 
when you read Dune initially, you kind of just have to accept that the Bene Gesserit are like mad at Jessica because she should have had a daughter, but instead she had a son. Mm. You don't know why, but you kind of just got to be like, okay, that's like, this is just where we're starting, right? <clears throat> but I never fully thought about that they've foreseen this shit. And so it, it really, the Bene Gesserit want jessica to have a daughter to make Aaliyah in the first place without paul so yep. she could just be wed and mated to fade rautha mm-hmm. to, that's the ultimate ideal bloodline yep that's that's the their entire goal and it's destroyed and so um they kind of have to do this weird like well what's second best like and so Aaliyah can't be wed to Fade Routh, obviously, because Paul killed them. But that's why they're like, oh, right, Paul, because they're also like so close genetically. Um, and they're kind of making do with what, with what they have left, you know? I they mean, she, they she, are, they are. She goes into thinking that, you know, like this is, it's centuries in the making. It's like, it's there's a long line of B'nai Gesserit who have planned this, this, coming of 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 this power through bloodline and uh you know right if they just start over then that's gonna be you know well lifetimes it, from now right and it, it just makes me think like well what if the Bene Gesserit were able to end up breeding jessica's daughter without any paul being born and fade rautha i mean presumably they would have gotten their perfect quasats hatterack they seem yeah. to think they were that like one generation away even maybe and like, but it was just close enough that Paul gets born instead. I mean, but then but like because think, Aaliyah though, also gets born, they're like, oh, like we can kind of go back to Plan A. We can yeah. still take Jessica's daughter. You got to think and, though that um that, get that pair that there are other there were other things that came in the way that got in the way along the the path because as we remember, Count Fenring was a failed Quasar Tatarak. So yeah, so th- yeah, so so there has to have been other ideal pairings that somehow got fucked up in the past. Yeah, true too. Right, this true. is just That's the latest point too. The latest one. Right. That's a good point. Or even like the Quasar's Hatterack is like a repeating thing. You know, like yeah. is this even the first one they've made? Mm, yeah, I I point. mean, it the way that they tell you things and the way that they like kind of have it as a legend, like yes. It, it sounds like it, mm. but it, it could even be like they've gotten so close as to like, I don't know. Is it negligible? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not even where we started talking, but. um, Oh, right. Paul's come. That's what we were talking. <laughs> so, I mean, but then you think like, oh, what if what if he he gives her the baby juice and <laughs> the worm juice, the worm as juice, it's sometimes and, called. And she goes ahead and sneakily puts it into Aaliyah instead of Irulan. Yes, yes, you know, yes, there's, yes. There's, there's, sabotage, even, there's potential for sabotage. Even by means of hate. Yeah. Maybe he is the vessel for mm-hmm. it. Yep, that's that's so possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. So that's, that's where it feels like some of the pieces are moving. And... Uh, as with 
any future vision. Um, I recognize that that could be wrong. I'm just working with the available data that I have. Exactly. But it it uh, it feels right at this point, and I, I was I was I was definitely uh, considering that. So I don't know, man. Um, Paul really seems to think that Shawnee is gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he's, he's and is she gonna die in childbirth? That's what it sounds. Is like. that right? Yeah, because it does, doesn't the, it? Yeah, because I, th- I think he was saying the last, like her last act, is going to be giving giving birth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty clear that he he envisions her dying, giving birth to this right. child. Um, there's this great exchange. I think it's by. Paul and Shawnee maybe because Paul's thinking about that exact thought that that like he knows or like the thing that I love about um the way they describe the future site here is not so much like seeing the visions but like experiencing them and that like Paul's already lived through Chani dying you know mm-hmm. presumably like maybe even thousands of times like you don't really know the extent of like the fractal visions or, or how far they go and, and over how much time he's had them. Like, um, but I don't know. I feel like someone says something like, Oh, well, you know, you need to enjoy the present. And there's kind of like this lament that like Paul doesn't even have a present moment, you know, which we've talked about too, but that like, he's living in all these different times at once. And that like, yeah, I think that he really has to struggle to anchor himself. I think that that was a great scene when he was talking to um I think Aaliyah and uh maybe Stilgar. And, yeah. And and you know, he was very, very upset and uh and they could tell and and, and yeah, it, it did Oh right, crazy. right. Aaliyah doesn't right, that's what it is. Aaliyah doesn't know. Like Paul says he looks at Aaliyah and Aaliyah like seems confused that he's mm. crying. Aaliyah's like, Oh, yes. he sheds water for the dead and yes. Paul's like she will wonder at my tears, you yeah. know, let her right. Because like, presumably he, he clearly, he thinks that Aaliyah isn't seeing or understanding the visions the way that he is. Yeah. You know, or yeah. that he's, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. just I mean, experiencing he, he, uh, different futures. You know, he, he feels that even she is a stranger. Yes. Yeah. Those are, those are his exact words. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a very, seems like a very lonely. Yeah. There, there was, there was so much, in. Yeah, it is. Um, so do do you feel any differently about Paul, or like what what are your thoughts on Paul at this point now? Because um, I feel like we were left with a really bad taste in our mouth last time. Yeah, it's tough because I mean, honestly, he it feels more sympathetic now after these five chapters because he is he's struggling. He's he's really really struggling with um what to do and, and kind of grappling with the inevitability of Chani's demise. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's fucking weird. Totally humanizing this, uh, this dictator, you know, this, yeah. this uh, guy who, who, who led a jihad and, and killed billions of people in his yep. name. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. It's it's kind of like I mean there is a, there's a major disconnect there. And also I'm right there with you, I want to say. And one of the other things that makes me feel that way is um I think because of like how much discussion and weight was given to um 
like Oracle powers these chapters. Uh, Edric and Sightail have a really great discussion. I think maybe it was chapter four. Um, and they mentioned the jihad, and Sightail says something like, um, uh, let's see. He says something. You know what? I feel like you just give me like two seconds and I'm just going to find it. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pause really briefly. What are you going to do? Um, I'm actually going to get another seltzer because I think we have one left. So I'm going to finish it off. All right. I'm going to get one more beer then. Are you uh, cool if we talk to like 830? Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Yep. Okay. I'll... I mean, it could be sooner, but you know, let's. 8.30 is fine. Let's just let's, let's see where this road takes us. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. So Sightail says this. Uh, <clears throat> okay. 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 Actually, let me, let me just go back like two more lines though, because just to get some context. So yes, Edric said, the jihad is finite. Muad'Dib has used his jihad and... He didn't use the jihad, Saitail said. The jihad used him. I think he would have stopped it if he could. If he could, all he had to do was... Oh, be still, Saitail barked. You can't stop a mental epidemic. It leaps from person to person across parsecs. It's overwhelmingly contagious. It strikes at the unprotected side. In the place where we lodge the fragments of other such plagues. Who can stop such a thing? Muad'Dib hasn't the antidote. The thing has roots in chaos. Can orders reach there? Uh, I mean, I feel like from someone who's prescient, talking to someone else who's prescient, who... I, I, I don't think it means that Sightail's right necessarily, but I read that and was immediately struck by feeling like how strong of an argument that is, I guess, that... Perhaps Paul has also already, it, like, it's not so much that he's seen the jihad and, like, shrugged his shoulders and allowed it to happen, but it's possible that out of all the possible futures he's witnessed, even if it's not all of them, even if there is something he could do to stop it, let's say out of all the ones he's personally seen, all of them include the jihad happening, and that he believes what he's doing already is ultimately ultimately the best thing for the universe that like to play the long game almost like perhaps to stop the jihad he needs to have chani die or whatever like we've said right and perhaps the only way for chani's death to stop the jihad is for all the things that have happened beforehand to happen exactly as they have even if that means like i don't know 12 billion people dying or i don't however many fucking people died um I think it was 60 billion yeah 60 like billion. a like a weird future thing that I think that i guess doesn't absolve anyone of their galactic you know murder sins but that perhaps like explains them in, in a way that i feel like is like oh i think based on especially based on how how paul um was dealing with kind of the concept of the jihad in the first book and I mean, you know, we've talked about him like surrendering to it. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's totally the truth. Um, 
I think he he surrendered to it happening. But I, you know, I mean, catching up with Paul now, twelve years later, um, and he's still struggling with it. You know, you 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 have to imagine that he's done everything he can in the in the past decade plus to make this go as well as it could for the entirety of the universe. Um, and yeah, th- there, there is no, no future without the Jihad. So I guess all he can do is make this the best Jihad, <laughs> the best yeah. version of, of, uh, the, the Jihad that could lead to the best version of the future. Um, as he can. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that's, not, that's a, it's a not often stated point. Um, Cause he's even, and this is the toughest thing probably that he's ever had to do, but he's even ready to, you know, he's, he's ready to let Johnny go for the sake of the, of, of ending the jihad. And for yeah. the sake of, of bettering the universe. Um, and it's, it's strange to me how, how spot on Sightail is. He like, he gets it. He like, he, yeah. his interpretation of it all, locks in perfectly with with how Paul is handling all of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a good point. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Paul is locked into this future. And even he would have been locked into it even if he had thrown the fight with with uh with fade and and died then and there the jihad still would have happened and it yeah could, it right could have been it could have been been even more unruly and even you know massacre even more uh right right perhaps uh, he sees that he needs to be alive in this future path yeah. to for it to be the the least harmful version of itself yeah and I mean, this Which is way still terrible. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, th- this way, you know, obviously he gets all the blame if he had died. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. Yeah. Started, obviously he, he'd be the martyr, but he wouldn't be to blame for the, for all of the brutality. Um, yeah. But maybe, maybe this way he does think that it's, you know, he can come in for a softer landing somehow. Right. With him yeah. I mean, um, of it. it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I only wanted to talk about it and to, to get those thoughts out there because I feel like our last discussion ended with, I want to say us, I could at least say me, but I, I think that we had this talk, you know, just that like, it was almost feeling like, oh, well, is Paul becoming the bad guy? And I just yeah. feel like we were getting events that we already knew happened, the jihad from a perspective that he was intentionally framing himself as this horrible villain. I mean, because obviously Frank Herbert knows that us, the readers know Genghis Khan and no Hitler, you know, definitely. And so like those, those comparisons, right? Yeah. And so like we, we hear those words and those were the last chapters we read. And I think in my case, like I finished reading that like an hour before we talked or some Mm -hmm. shit or less, you know, and so, like, my my last thought was, like, getting on the podcast and being, like, Paul is Hitler. He said it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, but but I, I really love Sightail's, like, more removed um, 
viewpoint, and I know that you haven't read Game of Thrones, and I haven't even mentioned Game of Thrones again, but it, it feels like I have to. If if anyone is listening, it's for the benefit of a possible hypothetical Dune audience. If you're out there, um, Sightail reminds me of Varys from Game of Thrones, and Varys is like always asked, especially early on, like who he serves, like, oh, what are your allegiances? And he's like, I simply serve the realm, I, you know, and Sightail seems to be like trying to serve the universe like mm. that, that he's trying to puppeteer these actions of these hyper powerful future seeing players, you know, at the, at the center of this empire, this universal empire. And he feels like if he can direct them in such a way that perhaps he can minimize the harm spread across like the entire universe. Like, I think that's his goal. I think that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that seems to be the case. Obviously, you know, it seems like Edric is in it for personal gain. Erlan is kind of in it for selfish reasons as well. Having, yep. having a, the the heir to the throne, um, the Reverend Mother too. She's yes. just after the uh, the, the preservation of yeah. the right, exactly, and and it, of, it, of it, continuing the yeah. plant. It, it seems like Sightail is the only one that's actually in the conspiracy for, I guess, good reasons. If you want to call them good, right? And it could be true that that's not it. You know that uh, maybe those things that that feel positive and like a trolley way problem or like, Oh, you know, that's just a consequence of what he's really trying to do. I don't know. But, um, it, it definitely will be interesting if we have a character who like is using their immense future site for, for what they feel like are, you know, the biggest picture decisions you can make, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he kind of does also note when he's talking with Edric that the, the conspiracy is very weak. Or, you know, that, that no one has a common goal, you know, mm. that everyone within the conspiracy is using each other. Yep, you're right. Yeah, he does say that. To get to Paul for their own gain. And then now on the other end, though, too, I mean, obviously, Paul is he's trying to wind this down. He's trying to come to a stopping point of this jihad and of of all this yeah, yeah. pain. Um, and he I think he says that he has to... Um, uh, what I forget the way he phrased it, but like, um, invalidate him. Yeah. Invalidate himself to his, his uh, his legions to his following. He has to kind of, um, make them not trust him. Yes. Yeah. That he's he's gonna have to destroy everything he's built. Yeah. And even if it's not true, he has to he has to sacrifice his position. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, part of me feels like if Sightail and Paul like really talked one-to-one, if they just sat down and had a beer together, talked over everything. Yeah, yeah if they, they were just a, two dudes talking yeah, Dune. Just two dudes talking Dune. I mean, you know... I, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the concept. Um, mm, indeed, th- I think they think they they'd have a a pretty common end goal there. I think they'd they'd be able to work together. I think so too. 
I think if they were to talk with each other one-on-one, they might even be able to come to a conclusion that thwarts all of the other uh, selfish conniving. You know, yeah. that, like all the other characters could be put in their place, you know, ir- and and it's not to say that they don't have sympathetic actions sometimes too. like Irulan, I get, you know, the Reverend Mother, sure. like I, I, I get, I really do is the weird thing. I spend enough time with these characters and I understand why they do the things that they do that uh, I mean, even if I don't things, agree with them, like I these get are it. things they've dedicated their life, their, their, their entire life, you know, livelihoods and, and yeah, it's been their purpose, you know. Princess Erlen's been a princess her entire life, and obviously that's the deal with princesses. Is you, yep. You, that's you know you you yeah. You she create the air. She, she was a little. She was a little quick to run into this agreement, but uh, you know, she was young. She was too. young, young and naive. So I, I get it. You know, I signed off on college loans. Like I get it. I know what it's yes. like to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And now both of you are in a great deal of hurt and regret. <laughs> I, trying to I owe a lot, of, owe a lot of money. Yeah. And now you're you're working with with the Reverend Mother to uh to try and uh try and fix this, try and remedy this. Something like that. Something like that. Um. But yeah, I I, I know what you mean. They they definitely do seem like the two characters that um at least from our perspectives, are, are trying to, you know, Paul truly wants the jihad to end, and I think Sightail does too. Yeah, I mean, unless, the only... Unless, unless the jihad leads to ultimately less deaths in a weird future, where if the jihad continues longer, it actually makes things better for something else. Yeah. I, I think that he's, like, playing the long game. But, no, I think you're right. There, there's there's yeah. tons of different possibilities and um but then also like Sightail just as like <laughs> he's shown us that he is like a, a very seedy kind of character and he's like killed people and like yeah manipulated yeah. people well i i think that he's i think he's just ruthless for um i mean i i I, I could be just reading too much into his actions at this point. Maybe I feel like I, I have it too, like, figured out. But I, I think that he's willing to do anything for whatever he views the greater purpose as, whether yeah, it's a yeah. good thing or not, you know? So, like, if he had to kill someone in cold blood to save ten people, maybe he would. And you'd watch him do it, and you'd be like, that was fucked up. But, like, in his mind, he'd be like, well, you know. It's for the greater good. Yeah. So the age-old argument. I don't think he has any problem with killing the the Fremen woman, leaving her in the desert. Obviously, no, because uh, he has his weird Tlay Laju honor, where it's like, oh, well, they had a form of escape, and then also, I I think he's just playing the Tle- future game here a bit. Tlay Laju sounds right. That you know, you saying it just now, that sounds right to me. Yeah, Tlay Laju. I think I think we got it. Yeah, I. I'm, I I don't know. I feel like maybe the T should be silent, but I like pronouncing it because it makes it for, sound more sci-fi, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I'm I'm with Slay Lajou now. Slay Lajou is yeah. That's the, that'll be my new mind pronunciation. Yeah, it's it's a weird word, isn't it? It is. I mean, yeah, like, very weird. You, at least with some of these, like 
I feel like I like B'nai Gesserit, B'nai Gesserit. The more I think about it, B'nai Gesserit probably is right because like gestation and gesture, like there's words. I've that, I've I've always thought it was a, a soft G. I um, I don't know, man. I'm a hard G kind of guy. Like it, I I understand now started, why it's soft G. But it wasn't until you started saying Gesserit where I was like I started second guessing myself. Yeah, and, and so then like, I oh, started no, saying right Gesserit. But then when the movie yeah. came around, I was like, no, I think I'm right. I'm going to just go with yeah, my first yeah, instinct. Yeah. Sure. No, I mean, definitely follow your gut or whatever sounds most right to you. You know, just like Mopez is always going to be <laughs> my shout out. Like, that's just how it is. But yeah, yeah, that, that's that's fair. That's fair. I I think I recognize that I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I like the way I pronounce it. And, I mean, there, uh, there's Frank there's Herbert's no... not going to come back as the fucking Gola and uh, correct me, <laughs> you know, so. Don't be I so sure. Good. Don't be so sure. I mean, he he could have set up some some say, and, and you know what he's gonna do is he, he's gonna he's gonna haunt his son and the other guy that writes, <laughs> that writes the new Dune books. Yeah, maybe uh, for no. I we have never read those. I'm just I'm just I'm just buying into the uh, the the fandom's general reaction that they don't like the books what? for whatever God, reason. The, you know, the more you talk about it, the more I feel like certain that we're going to read them. Like I think we have. I, know, to. I think we, I think we have to. And the the sad part is, like, I almost definitely will like them. Yeah. No. You know? No. I'm I'm sure you will. It's not sad. It's not a bad thing. It's who you are. You know, the thing that scares me is we keep saying we're going to take a break, and I'm actually scared we're not going to take a break. <laughs> I'm scared. That we're gonna finish the six Herbert Dune books, the 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 fucking Frank yeah. Herbert Dune books, yep. and then instead of us being like, oh, we did it, like let's just chill out and <laughs> then we'll read all the bad ones. Like I'm scared that we're gonna be like, let's just do it. I that's know. what scares me. That's like that's my vision of the moon falling in the fucking water. Yeah, dude. That, that's like that. That's that's your burden of terrible purpose. Yeah, yes, that's my terrible purpose. Is that <laughs> I'll just never be done reading Dune. Oh my god, that I mean that could be a reality because like we didn't plan on doing this after we finished Dune. It was just kind of no. like, just kind of felt no. like we had to. So that's a very that's a I very know. real possibility. It's I mean we it's we're we're going through this one pretty fast. I mean two weeks for certain we'll be done with it. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, whatever. We'll see. If I mean, if there is a way that we come up with in the future that we, we can try and stop ourselves from from jumping right into the bad Dune books, like we will choose that option. But there might not be a future we can envision without that happening. Yeah. <laughs> That's and we'll jihad. see. I mean, I think uh, I think the way that <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I think the way that Dune talks about um, seeing the future is so cool. It it almost makes it feel like um, seeing the future isn't a superpower. That like the 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 many visions they see are so vast and all encompassing that it's is it. I mean, not just the same as not being prescient and thinking you know what will happen next. Like yeah, think of all I the mean... possible ways you see the future every day just by daydreaming or considering exactly, it i mean yeah. is that what they see on melange it seems to almost be a curse because i mean obviously with with daydreaming like you don't there's no substance to what you're thinking you're like oh this is it's all just a fantasy but with with prescience you're like these are all these are these are all possible real outcomes 
these could all happen. Right. And uh, yeah, that, it's not that, something I constructed with my mind. No, yeah, yeah. And, and and so that that puts a lot of more that that puts a lot more responsibility on the person that is having those visions. It it definitely is framed like a curse, and like we've known that. Like I, I you know, Dune talked about that too. Like maybe we didn't talk about it as much, but it's always been there. What I thought was interesting, part of these chapters. Um, Oh, it's when Paul is waiting for Chani uh, when she's she's like brought to, I don't know, the hospital or the medics or whatever. And Paul has this really short line. He says something like he intentionally did not like witness the visions. Um, like he didn't know whether Chani was going to be okay or not yeah, being yep. seen by the medics. And the way he talked about it to himself, it sounded like he could have, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Some visions seem to come to oracles or those who are prescient without any, uh, you know, any action having to be taken deliberate action. You know, they are just struck by visions, Mm -hmm. but then there's also like lesser visions. It seems like that you can seek out, and that Paul has like just like how you can maybe meditate, right? Just like how you can like meditate yeah. and and take spice to like to uh, I don't know um, have a more like Instigate positive them. effect of seeing the visions. Yeah, you can like take those things away maybe, or like decide to push away certain visions, and that Paul has made a deliberate action to not see visions of, of Chani. Um, which is interesting. It just calls into a lot of like the agency of what it means to see the future too. And like, are the, the visions that you see that you, that you go looking for, are they less likely than the ones that are like struck to you by the cosmos? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's weird. And then the Dune tarot comes into this too. They keep talking about these fucking tarot cards and that like there's so many people trying to predict the future that it muddies the waters. It's clogged by profits according to Edric, which is yeah, a great yeah. line too. Um, I don't know, man. Dune Messiah has expanded on a lot of the like weird space mysticism in ways that I wasn't expecting to like, but the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, it's exactly what makes Dune Messiah interesting in its own right, you know, like separate Definitely. from Dune. That's been like a yeah. cool way to to think about the universe. Yeah, I I agree, and I mean it. It does it like it leaves you thinking that you know Paul is still very special, but not as special as we thought he was. Kind of. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, like these powers are not super uncommon. There's quite a few people in this universe that have, you know, these abilities to some degree. Yeah. It's just, um, I guess how far reaching they are. Yeah. For real. In kind of, I guess the, 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 the circumstances in which they're developed, which as you know, recall, it's like, yes. it was like a perfect storm. It was. Or for the Bene Gesserit thinking about Paul, a really, really, really 
really close to Perfect Storm. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like pretty much perfect, but like it could have been perfecter. Yes. Um, okay, let's wrap up here. I'm going to talk about the last thing in the last chapter to, to kind of leave us off on this final point and then maybe think about what do we think when it might happen and if we have any closing thoughts, all right? Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to read this last part of the chapter. Is that, I'm, all right. So, Go for it. She spoke from somewhere behind him, being Chani to Paul. Beloved, I'll not ask again what you've seen. I only know I'm to give you the air we want. He nodded then. I've known that from the beginning. He turned, studied her. Chani seemed very far away. She drew herself up, placed a hand on her abdomen. I'm hungry. The medics tell me I must eat three or four times what I ate before. I'm frightened, beloved. It goes too fast. Too fast, he agreed. This fetus knows the necessity for speed. <sighs> Do you wanna this start? This kid is going to be uh, something, something fierce. Yeah, and I mean, it's likely it's not the only child that we're gonna that we're going to uh witness being birthed in this book yeah seems like there might be two different crazy psychic super kids being born within yes you know a short period of time between um, right yeah from 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 different means and for different ends yes yeah so that's crazy to me and mm-hmm. then it makes me think too if we're ever going to meet um fade's kid yeah that's a really good point that's a really good point which could have just been a plot line that was dropped but i mean i would not have could be you know I, I i think frank could pick it back up at any moment and it could work oh yeah that's um, that's true in fact it's it's left there in a way that I think it would feel really natural. Yeah. Uh, yep. I could see it in this book. I could see it in like two books from now where it'd be like, oh, maybe saying that Fade Routha had a kid doesn't matter because of Fade Routha's get- kid, but because of the perpetuation of his bloodline thousands of years into the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It feels like who the fuck knows anymore? No, you're, yeah, you, that's, that's so true consequences just just far off into the distant future yeah Um, but the part of this this chapter that really for whatever reason stuck uh stuck out to me was this is kind of the first time that i think chani was um upset with erlan because she discovers that she's been fed contraceptives Yes, 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 yes. And that, I guess, really endangered her pregnancy and might be the thing that leads to her death. Yes, yes. Um, Which, and yeah, and and like she, she really, you know, wants revenge. She, she, mm-hmm. she wants to get even, and 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 she's got a fire in her now. And uh, you know, Paul pretty much tells her to take a step back and not do anything too hasty. Um, right. 
So I, th- that's the part that stuck out to me is, you know, she she just felt really, really. Be- I, mean, I, I mean, you know, for good reason, obviously. Um, totally. <clears throat> and you're you're right to point it out because it's. It could either totally be that the contraceptives having been taken are, you know, maybe Chani's fine, but it affects the pregnancy in a way yeah. that has long lasting consequences or the pregnancy is fine, but that's what kills Chani or neither. But Chani, because of her anger is so influenced that it leads her to do something or go somewhere that ends, you know, there's like so many ways. Yeah. 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 It could happen. And you're right to mention that. Cause like, um, we were talking about how these chapters made it feel like things kind of came together. And that this was a big part of making me feel like, Oh, like things that I thought were inconsequential events to roll the plot along were actually like long game character development that I didn't recognize because I didn't see where it was leading, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, because I remember with the the contraceptives, at first it was like, oh, that's so interesting, you know? Like, I can't believe that Irulan's doing that. But then we read, it's like, oh, she just kind of says offhandedly, Irulan to the Reverend Mother, oh yeah, Chani's just doing this new diet and uh, they don't work anymore and like, uh, it doesn't matter. And I remember just being like, well, if it doesn't matter, then why the fuck did you did write it in? It, yeah. Right, like, that's, but it turns out that, Right, the the effect of the contraceptive contraceptive is not to stop the pregnancy. It's the the consequences, or it is, but the narrative consequences of it exactly are what are interesting, and yeah, yeah. they are different than intended. Like, and I'm now realizing that as I read the fucking book. I guess yeah. that's normal, but like, it's cool to see it play out. Um, Definitely, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I I would not have thought that this would come into play in this. In this way, and I mean, just based on how Paul is handling it, it seems like he maybe, maybe he knew. I don't know. In yes, some way, you I know, think it's, so too. It's, it doesn't surprise him whatsoever. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, that's of course frustrating too, Chani, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting seeing her try to reckon with with Paul's abilities, you know, in, in kind of her, um, getting frustrated with, with him knowing all these things, but not really being able to do anything to, to stop things from coming to pass. Yeah. Um, but I think she's actually, you know, she, she's good at kind of, at, at realizing that, I mean, this was a very kind of, I mean, people would have a meltdown, you know, that it's, it's, it's a very high, um, alert situation and high, high tense um, emotions flaring everywhere. And, uh, you know, Chani kind of uh, like the quote you, you uh, quoted um, it's, it's, you know, she kind of, she kind of knows what she's meant to do and is just, just going to mm-hmm. go, go through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's sort of, playing their roles in a way and and not because they aren't fighting against it because it's that like they, they know that it it can't play out any differently, you know, not that they're resigned to their fate, but that it's, it's part of what they need to do. 
Yep. And and for those that are not gifted or prescient like Paul and company, you know, I mean, it's it's like she even is a uh, a follower of Muad'Dib, you know, in uh, yeah, in in some ways. Um, yep. Whereas you know, but she, also the ways that she she is not a follower, I think, is what makes Paul love her the way that she does. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, he he even thinks, you know, like it's that you know, much, Paul Paul needs to be brought down to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, pretty much he <laughs> he like has a thought where he's like, you know, you can you can take the girl out of the the desert, <laughs> but you can't take the desert out of the girl. Oh, right, right. That's pretty much. What yeah. He yes. Says. Exactly. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it's good, though. I mean, I think that this book's done a lot of good for for Chani as a character, too, because there Absolutely. are parts in the first Dune book where it feels like, um, you know, not that she's not important or that she doesn't do things that, you know, like contribute directly to the plot, like, um, or that she's, like, only important in relation to Paul. Like, she is her own character, and I, I don't want to make it sound like it's not, but... There definitely are times where she also is made to take a backseat mm-hmm. um, in a way that it maybe feels like it undercuts some of the fierceness that the book tells you that she has, you know, that sometimes she gets to be, um, you know, this unyielding, uh, unstoppable, you know, Fremen female force. And then sometimes it's like, oh, but, you know, the God oracles of Dune are talking. So, like, just hold on while Paul does some of the big boy stuff yeah and um not to say that like any of these things are completely resolved either or that they're even like huge problems either because i, I think the way the narrative handled is fine but i you know it's worth mentioning um but that chani's relationships are like made so much more complex that it gives her more to say and more to do and more to grapple with in ways yeah. that um yeah we we we've just kind of had more exposure to her and seen her in in different situations in this in this book so far and uh it's definitely all the better for her character i think she's she's handled very well so far and yeah. uh and it, it but where's perfect. jessica man yeah yeah i know i know that's that's disappointing but 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 you know i think of this i think we can really tell why chani is paul's concubine you know why? Why? Yes. He, why he fell so hard for her in the first place? Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, and that's such a huge thing too. Just to like kind of finish this off, but like that um, in the first Dune book, that um, like Paul's uh, welcoming nature and like openness to like the l- kind of like the, the look down upon scavenger dirty fremen ways mm-hmm. like that, that, that that's what gives him the the edge over uh you know the bad guys in a way yeah yeah absolutely um and so we kind of see that 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 flipped around a bit and that um you know these people that who were like brought up and raised and struggle are kind of now grappling with um having gone through all of that shit in order to like build this amazing life. But now that like they, they've been coddled to the point where, uh, you know, they, they now have to like struggle with not only the effects of like, 
um, being stagnant or not having a purpose, you know, it's, it's more than just, um, Oh, like life's too easy now that I'm insanely wealthy. Like that's part of it for sure. But it's also like, there's a recognition that the power and the wealth that these people have obtained are hurting the people in what their position used to be just one book ago, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that the Fremen, that the, the lowest of the low, the bottom rung of the fucking class ladder are exactly the people who are being suffocated by Paul's power and by Stilgar's power, you know, and that, uh, that they're kind of perpetuating this cycle, like more than the jihad. And I think they recognize that too. That's a great point. And I think that's something that we, that, that I hope to be, uh, expanded upon in the rest of the book, because you're right. I mean, pretty much all or, or most of Paul's like, team of 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 people that are backing him up day to day they they were the you know they were in the desert living day to day you know and um now they're in a fucking castle or you know this crazy fucking more than that it's it's a castle that's like it it sounds like it's massive just yeah it sounds like it's like fucking 20 times the size of manhattan yeah it's not just a castle it's like massive it's 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 a huge city sized headquarters (laughs) um yeah the like of which of of which no other ruler has ever built according to the the reverend mother um yeah so i don't know i think it's um and I mean, it's it's funny too because Paul, even with like he he does still like long for the days of of being in the desert and being a fremen and and even wants to have his child born in the desert. Right, they're gonna go back to the Syach. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so I I think um yeah he he definitely has a lot of people that that are there uh, to ground him and they they do a good job doing that. Um, even though I'm sure it's difficult sometimes. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want to mention from these chapters that we didn't talk about or, or anything you think might happen or just anything, anything at all you might want to say to, to, to close out the, the episode? Yeah, I don't think so. I think, um, I mean, we covered everything that I wanted to cover or yeah. remembered to cover. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I just want to find out who gets pregnant. (laughs) Who besides Johnny gets pregnant. Just just like a fucking soap opera, man. Exactly. That's, that's what's keeping me. We're just reading a soap opera. Turn, turn these pages. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just ready to dive back in. Um, how about you? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention quickly, I know that, uh, the structure for this episode has been a little different, you know, like usually I'd, I kind of lean on going chapter by chapter and kind of talking about the events in order. And and this has been a bit more like bigger picture, big idea, free flowing. Um, I got, I'm high by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why? (laughs) Yeah, I, I just, I didn't really think it was obvious. So like, I, I, I wanted to say it. No, it wasn't obvious. It out there. 
You just, I think you just, yeah. you, you act like this normally. So, yeah. Okay, but I, but I do, but I do feel a little different. Like the, it might be like a similar projection, but like the reasons for it are a little. Yeah, different. like nobody so. would ever, nobody else would ever know. Okay. <laughs> well, so like totally I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm saying it just like for posterity, for the sake of, I guess what I, do, I, I do felt feel, like maybe to document because I'm not. I, do you feel like that's affected your performance in this episode? Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely affected it. I don't know if it's positive or negative, but I feel like it's different for sure. Yeah. Th- okay. I mean, that's why I wanted to say something. Like, I, I can at least recognize that I, I feel like this episode's different, and and not in a bad way, and not in a yeah. way that's so different that someone would question it. You know. But uh, like, I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. I'll just bring it up now since it's kind of a related subject matter. But I've been I've been um, taking uh, CBD um, before going to sleep. Really? But yeah, before sleeping every night, and it's it's nice. it's it's improved my sleep like tenfold. I've I've been sleeping through the night. Which That's is, cool. Which has never happened before. Do you take it as like a pill, as a an essential oil? Uh, do you smoke it? It's no, it's just like a, it's, it's, um, it's like a tincture, you know, there's, I've got this bit, this, this little, uh, yeah, yeah. You pull out a little exactly, thingy and it has little a little squirty squirt thing. bottle. Yeah. You squirt the squirty into your mouth. Yeah. Yep. I just squirt it in my yeah. mouth and then hold it under my tongue for, or I just, I just yep. ha- keep it under my you tongue know, for a uh, minute and then I swallow it and it's, it does the not, trick. Not to be weird, but the B'nai Gesserit would consider that artificial insemination. <laughs> That's I mean that's that, like that, that could very well be how we get um Paul's second or I guess third child. <laughs> yeah. Through the very same means. Who knows? Alright, well we'll have have a good rest of your um you know, your your I mean I I guess now since you're already high you'll have the munchies and you'll just go on a no, I mean, it's not exactly screen. like that. I mean, first off, it's not like I'm like super. I had the smallest. I had like the smallest bite of an edible, but like okay. I don't, I don't really get high that often anyway. Yeah. So it was like I, I felt it, you know. It's plus, plus occasion. I've been drinking. Plus yeah. I've been drinking. So this isn't just like my first beer. I've had several beers. You're crossfaded, as they say. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. That's what they say <laughs> when you when you drink and you and you yeah. blaze up. Is that uh is that where the name Crossfade comes from? Like the band? Do you yeah. know the band Crossfade? Yeah, that's where it comes from. Or wait, am I thinking of Cross Faith? Mm, I don't know. I think th- I mean there's there's definitely bands that are named both of those things, but they're right. No matter what, I'll be yeah. right. If if yeah. anyone Google's this or asks a Mentat, I'll look right, so it's fine. <laughs> you can, so ask the Mentat in in, in your life. <laughs> They'll be able to tell you. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, shit, I just can't believe how close we are to finishing this book. I mean, absolutely, in two weeks. Yeah. There's no way there's more than two weeks worth. I know. I, I thought this well, was thing. We'll do the next week, read five chapters. It'll be most of it, and then we probably won't even have five chapters the week after. That's I what know. it looks like to me. So. Yep, agreed. Yeah, it's it's gone by too fast. I mean, I'm excited to it's start okay. Children we of have Dune. One but... more book to read. I know. Yeah, I mean, we we're we 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 have a lot to go. So, cool. Um, 
All right. How about you uh, close us out with a quick a quick plug? Well, folks, if you want, you can email us at dunedudespod at gmail.com. You can follow us at CorruptCV um, on both Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, Connor, you can do the honors. Unless you uh, unless you inhale the spice, you're not going to know what happens next. So watch watch that next episode, baby. Wham bam, or- thank you, ma'am. <laughs>